What are the lessons, pitfalls, and joys of entrepreneurship? Let's talk all about it with business coach, podcaster, and speaker, Fabienne Raphael, right here on episode 274 of The Nurse Keith Show. Well, hello and welcome to The Nurse Keith Show. You know I love having you along for this ride, whether you're new to the show or you've been on this journey with me for months or maybe even years. As always, I thank you for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. This podcast is all about you and your nursing career, and I'm here to share education ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare, nursing, entrepreneurship, medicine, technology, and beyond. And did you know that Nurse Keith Coaching is your one-stop shop for all things related to your career? That's right. I offer individualized coaching for nurses and healthcare professionals around the world. And if you mention that you're a listener, you get 10% off your first coaching package. So email me today at keith at nursekeith.com and we can schedule a complimentary consult. Meanwhile, if you want to see the show notes for this episode, you can, of course, and I encourage you to follow along at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 274. Now, Fabienne Raphael, you're here for the second time. And as usual, we're going to jump right into this conversation. So, Let's put our feet in the fire and immediately talk about what the pitfalls and difficulties of entrepreneurship are. What are some of your top ones? Oh, my God. That's such a huge question to start with, Keith. (laughs) Come on, put your feet in the fire. Yeah, they are. And it's burning. (laughs) Ah, okay. Talk to me. (laughs) The pitfalls and the, oh, my God. Well, First of all, when you start as an entrepreneur, I remember when I got all excited and me and my business partner wanted to start that first ever business we had, we we were ready to change the world. And I remember that I was like, I'm going to take care of everything and I'm going to learn everything and I'm going to buy everything there is out there for me to be the best at my craft. And, uh, you know, and then eventually realizing that this was like just... I don't know if it's not over ambition, but I think it's just like entrepreneurship innocence. Mm-hmm. Naivete. <laughs> yeah, naivete type of. Because at a certain point, you hit a wall and you're like, wait a minute, like this, I can't, I can't take care of everything. Um, I don't know everything. Uh, who should I hire to help me in this and that? And I remember that one of the first big investment I I did for my first business was a marketing agency. And uh, of course, as an entrepreneur that was beginning, well, I didn't do my my homework of really looking well about like what the results were, who they were working with, what their statistics were, like were they well rated in the market and all that stuff. And I ended up like investing a ton of money and didn't get anything, any return on that investment. And this is how I got started with my first business. So, So I would say that the first yeah, the first thing is uh, that I feel that people need to know about entrepreneurship is that it's really hard. And and if you're not geared like towards, you know, pushing through and being persistent and having that resilience and forgiving yourself along the way, then you might as well not even start it. There you go. 
<laughs> well, okay, mic drop. Right? All right, goodbye, everyone. <laughs> okay. Don't start a business. It's horrible. <laughs> no, but seriously. No, you know that's no, no, not no, no, what no, I'm no. saying. Seriously, yeah. My first business was as a massage therapist and a yoga teacher. The massage came first. And um, I had no idea what I was doing. And it was the, let me see, the late 80s and early 90s. And I did okay, but I had no idea how to run a business. I had no idea how to advertise. I tried and I failed fairly miserably. <laughs> and and then I became a nurse and I just worked as a nurse for a while without pursuing any kind of entrepreneurship. And then it creeped back. And by that time, I'd met some really awesome people online because there was this thing called the internet at that point. So <laughs> I could learn yeah. a lot more because in the late 80s and early 90s, it was like, well, go to the library and get a 30-year-old book on business and see what I can figure out. <laughs> so true. Wow. So, and you live in Montreal still, right? Yes, I do. Yeah. And so you help coaches build their business and you're also a speaker you're a podcaster you have a mastermind group online so you have a lot of different things going for you and you also you have a background in radio and tv so yes. has did that help you or has that helped you figure out what to do here as a um i guess you would call it as a public figure Oh, you mean the TV and the radio or yeah. everything that I've done before? Well, has the TV and radio helped you in terms of understanding like how to communicate with the world? Absolutely. What did you learn about that? Um, I remember that when uh, I had met with uh, this interior designer and chatting with her, like I realized that she had this dream of, you know, hosting her own TV show. And I was like, wait a minute, like I, I do too. And at the time I had a home staging business. Um, so we decided to start that project together and we went to this big TV uh, provider and just went and pitched our, our idea. And I remember that the person that was there, she was like, don't go to our competitors with this idea. I'm extremely interested. Give me like a few weeks and I'll let you know if we can make this happen. And that's how it happened for us. And of course, both of us, we didn't have any experience on, on television, but I feel that this is where I really realized that communicating and being in front of people and just like using who I am with my personality and what I know to, to help people learn and, and change and, uh, decorate at that time. Cause it was a, a decoration show. I fell in love with it. Um, all the technicians, the, the people working on camera, the, the production team, uh, everyone, like they were so patient because we were beginners and they were so patient of showing us like little things like, you know, when, when the camera's on you, well, you have to fix the lens. Like there's no way you have to look everywhere else and you have to smile all the time and you have to be yourself and move and, you know, like, um, how you, you, you have to project your, your true personality on, on cam and all that stuff. So I learned a ton, uh, doing that TV show. And at that time, I think it was back in 2011, 
Facebook Live was nothing. Like it was, it was not existing in anything. Like video were videos were online, but not that much. But then when videos came and I I was able to use that as one of my strategies to to expand my reach, then I felt comfortable. Cause anytime I have a camera on me, I know, I know what I have to do to um, to really make people feel who I am and what I want to give them as a message. So it extremely, it, it helped me a lot. And the radio experience, well, of course, like I have a, I had a podcast and I intend to start another one eventually. I didn't put a date on it yet, but it's going to happen this year. And I mean, of course the, the podcasting thing, and you know it, you're podcasting, there's this intimate feel. And there's also the fact that everything um, that you're showing, let's say on camera, when you're on video, you still have to do the same gestures when you're talking on, on, on your mic, because people feel your energy. That's true. You should see my hands move when I'm talking on the microphone. Exactly. And I, man, I should have a I should have a video camera on. <laughs> exactly. I look like Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Do a Facebook Live while you're recording your podcast. <laughs> well, I haven't done that, but we yeah, I have done a little video. I'm not actually a real video person, but you know, one thing I found as an entrepreneur of almost ten years now, three and a half years full time is that you have to be really, 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 really consistent. It's not an easy thing to do. And, you know, say you have coaching clients, you know, I keep tabs, very close tabs on my clients. You know, I email them every Monday morning, say hi, find out what the plan is for the week. And then I have to be very vigilant with my social media and being consistent with blogging and podcasting. I mean, your audience has a certain expectations. So, what would you say to someone out there, maybe a nurse or nurse practitioner who's thinking of starting a business and they are afraid of all the different moving parts of having your own business? What would be one of your messages to that person? Oh, that it could be simple. Oh, yeah. And that I, and, and that I understand how overwhelming it could be when you look at it from the perspective of someone who doesn't know where to begin. Um, cause the internet is filled with information. We're bombarded by ads, by commercials, by emails in our inboxes. And sometimes email we didn't even ask for. So, so people have a ton of information and they, they are kind of lost into finding like what's the best way for them to start. And I would say that it doesn't have to be complicated. It's funny because everyone out there will preach for their own thing. So some people will say, well, you're, the best way to start business is to do Facebook advertising. Invest a ton of money into Facebook advertising and you will make money in your business. Or some others will be, well, build your funnels. You need at least two, three funnels to start with. And then others will say, well, no, offer a freebie in exchange of an email address and then wait for that long before selling anything. Or some people would be like, no, sell right away. Well, it, it's it's kind of it's kind of hard to to, to figure out like what's, what's the best thing to do. But <laughs> my, my biggest, actually, um, my, my biggest advice would be first of all, to recognize like, okay, you have something, you have an expertise, there's something you want to offer and the market is already looking for it. So as, as long as you have that, 
and you have that expertise and you know that people are actively looking for what you want to offer yet, well, you're on the right path to start with. Second thing is about, um, I would say, getting in touch with your potential clients. So sometimes it has to do with, you know, networking events, live, you know, shaking hands, talking about what you do, hearing what others are saying or hearing what they're struggling with and how you could fill that gap. Um, It could be online also in specific communities where you feel that you could add value and where you could meet others. It could be virtually also. And then get in conversations, like talk on the phone with people, see what they're struggling with, um, how you could really help them accomplish something that you're an expert at. And eventually, well, getting in touch with your market, talking to people, experimenting, maybe just helping someone and getting paid out of it. Let's say you get your first, your first consulting uh, contract, whatever. Then you, you know how you see how you feel with it. Because again, entrepreneurship is not for everyone. Some people would have a certain idea of it and then they're right into it and they're like, Oh, wait a minute. It's not, it's not like I thought it would be. Yeah. It's like, wait, I'm not getting a paycheck every other Friday. Wait, wait. (laughs) I thought, I thought somebody was going to be sending me a check. Or you, 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 uh, you get anxiety attacks each and every single time, like you get on the phone or like there, there are several things that might happen into, into the entrepreneurial path. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I find that this is what's so beautiful about it because you don't necessarily always know what to expect And when these things come, well, it's either you face them and you have to find a solution or you're like, this is too much for me. And then you just say, I'm giving up, right? I'm out of here. I'm getting a job. Exactly. exactly. (laughs) I've had moments like that, you know, not that long ago where I was feeling like, oh my gosh, I just can't do this anymore. And that's just being really honest because, you know, you realize that once you cut the, the tether to a regular job, then all of a sudden you realize if you haven't thought about it enough (laughs) that you're only going to have money in your bank account if you generate work. So, you know, I work at generating speaking gigs, writing gigs, um, coaching clients, and I'm always looking for new ways to earn either a little residual income on the side or whatever it happens to be. So, There's a lot of moving parts, like I mentioned earlier. And before we take a break, I just wanted to ask you about the notion of being resilient. Mm -hmm. So you were just mentioning how, or you you and I were both just mentioning some of our struggles and the things people run into as entrepreneurs. So where have you learned lessons about resiliency and how do you make sure you remain resilient in the face of the challenges of being self-employed? So I think, I think along the way, my biggest lesson learned uh, with resilience was at a point where I had started my business, but I was so afraid to sell. So I would be there but not selling anything. So basically I did not have a business, right? Cause I didn't have any clients and I was so afraid like to pick up the phone or to talk to anyone that had to do with anything that I wanted to accomplish. So it was like, it was kind of weird. Cause it was like 
some type of self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. And I remember that at that time, my partner came to me at once and he's like, uh, well, I, I've realized that you have kind of like a pattern. You love to start projects, but you never finish them. And as soon as there's something that has to do with, you know, getting paid for it or um, selling your services, like you run out and then you decide to change and shift and, you know, try something else. Hmm. So he's like, I think that at that point, like I can't, And he had tried to help me along the way with it, but he's like, I can't help you with it anymore. And I'm starting to, and he was starting to be um, exhausted because he had to actually um, work like like for two people because my energy was not at the right place. Mm. And he would have to fill in like for my lack of energy and my fact that I wouldn't finish anything. Um, so, so then it hit, well, it hit me, it was just like a serious conversation, like no yelling or anything like that. But he was like, just like, maybe you need to figure something out or maybe it's just not for you. He said, maybe entrepreneurship is not for you then. And, and I remember that my first reaction was ego reaction, like inside, of course, like I didn't, I didn't reply anything because I like to introspect about it. And then we talk about it like a little later, but my ego reaction was like, what is he saying? I'm not made for entrepreneurship. I've been doing that for, for that amount of of time. And, you know, like putting all that energy and all of a sudden, like I should not be an entrepreneur. So that was my first reaction. And then after a while, I was like reevaluating what he was saying. I was like, oh my God, like, this is so true. Maybe this guy's right, and I've worn him. I've worn him out. He's exhausted. Exactly. He's like he's going to go like lay on the beach for a few months to recover. So, <laughs> so, so, Fabian, when we come back, we're going to go to the beach. No, when we come back from a quick break, I want to talk about managing our own schedules and how we do that, and how we how we can create space so that we can get things done, but also not work 29 hours a day. And then also I want to talk about the joys and rewards because there are a lot of joys and rewards of entrepreneurship too. So we're going to be right back for the second half of the show and dive back in. So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment. Please consider becoming a patron of The Nurse Keith Show, just like other awesome listeners who value the show so much that they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. When you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support The Nurse Keith Show, you also get some pretty cool premiums and gifts from yours truly. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash nurse Keith to read all about it. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash nurse Keith. And if you know someone who could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client, you'll receive credit for an hour of coaching with me. And there's no expiration date on that credit. So you can keep it in your back pocket until you need it most. And remember that you can refer as many people as you like and continue to earn those coaching credits. What an incredible deal. And please head over to nursekeith.com and sign up for my newsletter, which comes out regularly and brings you supportive messages, 
updates from my blog and my podcast, resources, and all sorts of other stuff. Remember, nursekeith.com, sign up for that newsletter, and you'll also get a free download from me as my gift to you. Anyway, those are my sincere asks today. So now, let's dig back into today's topic without further ado. And welcome back to the Nurse Keith Show. Remember, this is episode 274, and the show notes are at nursekeith.com forward slash the words episode and the number 274. We're talking with Fabienne Raphael, a Montreal-based business coach, podcaster, and speaker, and all-around amazing human being. And Fabienne, the first half of the show, we were focused <laughs> mostly on the negative and the humorous around, <laughs> or, or the humorously negative or the negatively humorous parts of entrepreneurship. And we talked about resilience, consistency, you know, the things that have tripped you and I up in the past and the way you uh, worn out your your partner and he had to go sleep on the beach for several months. So aside from that, <laughs> let's talk about managing our own schedule, because I understand you used to be a physical therapist, right? Mm-hmm. And... Did you work in hospitals or for home health agencies or something? Uh, no, it was actually contract based. Contract. Yeah. So, but when when we work for other people, we know where we're supposed to be at what time, right? Yes. And we pretty much know what we're supposed to do. And you know, every job has its ups and downs and things you figure out. But you have a sense of what your responsibilities are. Mm-hmm. And if you're having a hard time with something. You can often go to your colleague or a boss and say, hey, I need a little help, right? Yes. And then you get that thing called a paycheck every couple of weeks or so. And that's that's also really awesome, <laughs> getting a paycheck and paid vacation and sick days and holidays off and, you know, a 401k, or, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, but in terms of scheduling, some people who go into entrepreneurship find they're completely st- dead in their tracks like they're stultified because they're like well what do i do with my time Mm -hmm. (laughs) um when i wake up in the morning i'm not quite sure what i'm supposed to do and then once they figure out what they're supposed to do they then work like from 6 a.m to midnight every day so and i'm guilty of that too so what have you learned what's one lesson a really good lesson about managing your own schedule it's actually respecting it. (laughs) That's a good lesson. Um, Because I I remember that uh, the mistakes I was doing were that, let's say I would want to accomplish this during the day and then I was done with it. So I would add extra things on my list, even if my list was was done. Um, So so basically when you do that, then you end up working (laughs) endless hours and not necessarily having time for other things than, than your business. Um, now what I would say I do is, well, there, there are days that are strictly for clients. There are days that are specific for content creation. There are certain hours during the day where I interact on social media and also that I, um, check my, let's say the important emails that I have to reply. So it's just by, um, segmenting the amount or the the type of activities that I have to do, uh, let's say between this time and this time. 
And as soon as my son is out of daycare, which is about like 4.30 p.m. in the afternoon until mm -hmm. he goes to bed around like nine, this is like family time. I'm just just with him and my my older boy and and we go out or we stay home but like I'm just enjoying myself and then when he goes to bed if it's still not if it's not too late most of the time what I do is I go back and and finish some stuff like for maybe an extra hour or something. Right. But do you sometimes like read him to sleep and then you end up falling asleep right next to of him course. and then you wake up and it's 1 a.m.? All the time. <laughs> like, oh my God, I was in the middle of the little engine that could and, and here and now it's three in the morning. <laughs> like last night, he's, uh, he started a cold and he's coughing a lot. So he woke up at, I think it was 1230 and he went back to bed around, I don't know, it was 2.30 a.m. or something. So for mm -hmm. two hours, well, you know, I was just with my son and trying to soothe yeah. him and, Aww. you know, put him back to bed and all that stuff. So so it's part it, it's part of it. Um, sure. Yeah. Sure. And um, how old are your boys, by the way? I don't remember. One is two and one is 15. Two and 15. Wow, that's yes. quite a spread. Okay. Yes. yes. Um, so the two-year-old reading The Little Engine That Could, I was actually not not that far off track then. Okay. Um, so I guess, speaking of family, I guess one of the rewards or joys of being self-employed means that you can say, okay, I'm going to have family time from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. most evenings, Right. Is that a joy for you? Is that part of the freedom? It is an absolute joy, but I have to say that it's been a process because at a certain point, and I don't know if, if dads have that guilt too, but I know that moms have that guilt and especially moms in business. When I, at a certain point, I remember that when I was spending time with family, I was thinking, oh my God, like I have this to do with my business. And when I was doing stuff, with the business, I was like, oh my God, I need to do this for the family. So it's just like establishing uh, the, um, you know, those, those rules for yourself that, okay, when I'm here, I'm a hundred percent here and I'm not there because, or else you, you would not be able to perform a hundred percent on both ends. I think that for me was a process because there was a time where I felt that each and every single time I was building my business, I was neglecting my family and vice versa. So Raphael, so we, you know, we've been talking about the joys and rewards and having children and, you know, and all the different parts of being an entrepreneur, the parts that are hard, the parts that are, that are kind of our joys and the rewards. So for me, one of the rewards also is that, you know, as a nurse, I could impact my colleagues around me and I could impact the patient or client who was right in front of me. And sometimes people will intimate or have intimated that I'm not a real nurse anymore because I'm not actually taking care of people anymore. And I still consider myself a nurse. And I know you're a former physical therapist, so you might relate. I still have a nursing license. And one of the joys of my business is that I feel like everything I do contributes to the profession and contributes to the healthcare system in general. And if I can help one nurse 
have a better life or show up more at work or create a career she really feels good about, I'm actually impacting a lot of people because there's a ripple effect, right? So for you as a business coach and a speaker, you know, you motivate mm-hmm. people, especially entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. people who own their own businesses. Um, what is it like to feel like you can have you can have a big impact, like you can affect a lot of people kind of in a, in a, on mass. What's that like for you? That is so fulfilling. And mm-hmm. you said something about like, um, people thinking you're not a nurse anymore because you're helping others like, or other nurses with their businesses and all that stuff. But you still had like the, the education and you still have your license Same for me. I still have my physical therapy license. And I would say that what the the common link between everything that I've ever touched in my life, either when as a physical therapist or as a home stager or as a business coach right now, is the before and after effects. Before, when I meet people or like, let's say in home staging, well, their house is cluttered and they don't know how to sell it. Or in physical therapy, they're injured. And in business, they're overwhelmed. They don't know where to start. And the after effects of the person feeling better, the person walking, or the person just having their own business and leaving their job and living their purpose is just extremely fulfilling to see that you can have such an impact on someone's lives, uh, on someone's life. And, and I feel that as an entrepreneur, or I think every entrepreneur is in entrepreneurship in a certain way to change the world. And I feel that changing the world goes to changing one life at a time. And each people we're helping while we're doing a tremendous amount of change in their lives. And mostly, most of the times, it's a positive change. It's funny that you're asking me that question because this week I was talking to a client and uh, I just asked her the question, how would you describe, you know, your work with me? How, how would you describe the path that we've done from when we started working together until today. And the first word that came to her mind was exploratory and self-discovery. Oh, that's nice. She was like, well, other than the business type of learning that she got out of the, out of the work we've, we're doing together, she's like, I've been able to go deep down into, okay, who am I really? Like, what am I about? Where's my confidence in my craft or in my expertise? How intensively I can impact others or how I can embrace who I am to confidently help my clients um, achieve their goals or change their situation and all that stuff. She didn't talk about the business stuff first. She really thought, talked about like how she was more um, stepping into who she was and, and who she is and now is exploding confidence to to help her clients um, realize what what she's in, like what what they have to do with her with the work that she's doing with them. So, yeah, I feel that when I get in, like testimonials like that, I'm like, oh, I think I'm at 
I'm at the right place at the right time, right? Yeah, I feel it's that feels uh, good, doesn't it? That feels that feels really good, and and it motivates me to do it some more and impact more people. And uh, I'm not the type of person that would say, um, "Well, uh, I I like the fact that I also can impact people one after the other." The one-on-one work that I do, I really enjoy it. It's not the same type of energy or synergy that you get from, let's say, leading a mastermind, for example. But the one-on-one thing, like when you get that, that relationship with your client and you're able to take them from in the unknown place or not sure about anything space to, okay, I own my craft now. I know what I have to do. These are the steps I have to do to get to where I want to be. Right. It's, it's extremely fulfilling. That's really wonderful. Yeah. And I feel very similarly about that, that process of, I mean, of course it's nice to have people praise your work, but you know, get those testimonials and it always feels really good. It's sort of a, a adrenaline rush or kind of gives you a little rush of, um, happy chemicals and dopamine in your brain. (laughs) Um, But also it's like seeing people be successful. Like when I help a nurse and she lands a really good job or I help somebody and they actually launch their podcast and they're like, whoa, this is really cool. Thanks for helping. You know, it's, it's seeing them succeed is great. I mean, the money in your bank account's nice because, you know, we got to eat and your kids need clothes and stuff like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, kids have to have at least a couple pieces of clothing, right? So, yeah. um, <laughs> but I just, so it's kind of like, there's the financial reward. There's the, the heart award, re, heart award, the heart reward that you feel just like, Oh, that feels so good. And then there's all the different parts that, that bring you that, that rush of accomplishment. Right. And yeah. like yeah. at the very beginning, when I first started out, the first things I earned money at was writing. Cause I'd been blogging a while and then people started hiring me to write and seeing your name in print for, or print or online for the first time being published is a really nice feeling too. So mm-hmm. what are some of the other things in business, you know, as we slowly begin to wrap up, though I could talk to you for hours, what are some of the other things that, that kind of give you a dopamine hit <laughs> when you're, when you're working in your normal self-employed day? Um, I would say, Last, it was maybe last month or two months ago, we had like a a conversation with our oldest who's 15 and talking about, you know, what he wants to do eventually, like what is he aspiring to, to become. And of course at that age, he's still quite young, so he doesn't really know like what he wants to explore. But I remember him saying that, um, he enjoys seeing us working the way we're working because it's completely different from what his friend's parents are doing. Oh, that's cool. Oh, so he recognizes, he recognizes the, the, that how, what you do is novel, right? Exactly. Like it's not a typical nine to five job that we, if, if one day we want to 
take a break and just drive somewhere and just bring all the family, then we do it. Um, he says that it, it, it just opened him to that other side of life that he didn't know because of course when you when you're in school and the whole system tries to drill in your head that what you have to do is go to school and eventually get a job and stay there until you retire and then when you retire you can start living and do whatever you feel like um so it was very a touching moment for me because i i was like well the one of the best ways for parents to educate their kids is to actually show them stuff. Sometimes you say stuff, but if you don't walk the talk, then I mean, there's a disconnect. And oh, yeah, that's true. Very true. Most kids are sponges, like they, they just attract what you're projecting in the household or in what you're doing or with your values and all that stuff. And, and that just uh, showed me that you know, as long as he knows that there's also that possibility or opportunity for him to start whatever he feels like, it just like brought joy to my heart. I was like, okay, so he's aware that there are other options there. It's not only, you know, like what everyone is talking about because he sees us doing it and he, he sees it's working. Yeah, that's cool. And, you know, speaking of, you know, people doing what they're told or going through school and getting a job because that's what they think they're supposed to do. This, this is another conversation, but I'll just drop this in just a little bomb mm-hmm. that there are some social theorists who feel that schools on a certain level have became, especially in the early part of the 20th century, or maybe even the 19th century mm-hmm. became warehouses where they were making kids, especially teenagers, into good workers. Like you needed to be a good worker. So you needed to get out of school so that you could get a job and contribute to society, which is great. Mm -hmm. But some people feel that that certain aspects of education don't prepare kids for the real world. And there's a lot of things they don't learn, like basic things, like how many people learn in, let's say, in high school, how to manage a checkbook or, or, or a savings account or a business account. Like do, does, do we learn those kinds of skills? We don't because some social theorists say that, you know, kids were really being prepared to, to work in factories, like to be a cog in the wheel. And those of us who've decided to be now, some people would argue that point, but that was just throwing that in there just for fun, just for out of curiosity. But, um, some people see that when you're an entrepreneur, you're creating your own path and you're contributing to society, but you're not doing it necessarily in the way you were instructed to. (laughs) And that can be, that can be kind of fun to, to buck the trend. And, you know, nurse entrepreneurs are very ubiquitous now, but back in the day, it was sort of a weird thing. And I still talk to nurses now who say, really? nurses can have businesses, you know, they have no clue. So, you know, even nurses are trained to be cogs in the wheel. It's like, you've got to work in medical surgical, you know, you've got to do this or that. And that's actually not true, but there are these things that we we're told are true. So speaking of healthcare professionals, just to segue here, you're a physical therapist and 
you know, you, you don't work as a clinician at this very moment, but you're still a PT and you were in the past. And what was it like to go from being an expert, like a physical therapist who knew what she was doing and transferring that into being a beginner as a business person? <laughs> was it frustrating or were you like terribly, terribly self-critical because you weren't an immediate expert? Yeah, I, I and I would add that this new entrepreneurship thing, when it came to my life, I'm also a former elite athlete, so worked on Team Canada, participated in many international competitions. So I was a high performer and even PT, I mean, you, you've done, you're a nurse, so you know how it is, the healthcare system. And when you study, like it's very competitive and you, you got to hit these grades and all that stuff. So I was a high performer in those areas. And all of a sudden you get trans <laughs> transported. I don't know how to say that into something completely new where I didn't own anything, where I didn't know anything um, when I, of course, was trying to do my best, but my best was way not enough because I, I didn't have the, the skills set yet. Of course, it was very frustrating. And I think, mm. and I think that's why it led into me afraid of selling anything or me doing these patterns of starting something, getting excited and just not finishing and starting something new. I, I think that's that's part of why I, I was so scared of pushing through and just like get towards the end and and accept that sometimes it's it would not work out. I think my my biggest problem was that was accepting that the plan was not as planned or what I expected did not happen. Oh, yeah. For me, it was a huge failure all the time. Good point. And I had to deal with that. And I think that's part of where the resilience came from. At a certain point, you've got to learn to forgive yourself because at that time, this is the best you could do. Of course, with what I know today, reflecting on like 10 years ago or eight, year, eight years ago or even last year, I'm a better person today than I was last year, for example, or five years ago. I know more today that I knew five years ago. So so I can't judge what I did five years ago out of the person I am today because I wasn't. Um, and I think that's extremely important that that we make that mindset shift and realize that uh, hum human beings make mistakes but the most important thing is to learn from these, not repeat them twice or three times. Then it's a problem if you do that. Yeah, good good point. <laughs> but but when you acknowledge them, you learn your lesson and you try to correct the thing and and figure out like how to make it happen better next time. Then you've evolved. You've become a better person, and and things are going forward for you. So. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, this is, it's a great conversation to have and, you know, being, being honest about what you and I have experienced and, and kind of just, just talking about the ways in which this has really worked for us individually and also the ways in which we've been kind of pushed to our edge. And 
I still get pushed to my edge. Do you sometimes? Yeah, of course. Yeah, It's like, <laughs> oh my God, can I do this anymore? And, but we have to be able to question and then it, questioning what we're doing. Like say you're a nurse working in telemetry and you're like, this is getting kind of tedious now that that ability and desire and willingness to question where you are and then say, hey, is this really where I want to be? And then if we don't want to be there, then we figure out what the next thing is, right? What the next step is. And we can get pretty down on ourselves, but yeah. we can also rely on the people who love us and respect us to to lean on them too. And I'm sure sounds like your partner's been a great support. And I'm sure you have lots of people in your life who who support you. And I know you've been on amazing podcasts and TV shows. You've been on John Lee Dumas's show. You've been, you've shared the stage with him and you spoke at the new media Europe conference in London. And it says here too, you've been featured on Forbes, ABC, Fox, CBS, Huffington post, and you've been on dozens of podcasts. So do you feel like you, this is kind of my last question at this point, but do you feel like there's ever a moment where you can rest on your laurels, so to speak, or can you not become that complacent? <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> I don't think so because, uh, I mean, everywhere we read it, um, it's not, it's not because you achieved something that there's nothing else to achieve that is even high, like at a higher level. Right. I, I feel that if I stop today out of, you know, seeing my where I was featured or who I met and what I did and how many lives I've changed, I mean, what will happen next? I mean, I'll just slowly die inside because my purpose would not hmm. be filled. Um, yeah. And it's funny because right. right now I'm reading a book about prospecting and uh, and that's what it says. It says, well, at a certain point, your pipeline might be full of leads and you're all excited and you're closing these deals and you're making money and all of that. But wait a minute, like if you don't take care of filling that pipeline, even when you're closing deals, then at a certain point, it will catch you and you'll be like, wait a minute, why, why my finances are not so good this month? Oh, remember three months ago, you forgot to prospect, right? Right. Yeah. Cause you have to prospect for work, like clients, writing gigs, um, speaking gigs, whatever you're prospecting, whatever exactly. you're looking for. And it's like it being a prospector. It's like, I picture like a miner from the gold rush days. It's like, if you don't get out there in the mountains of California with your hammer, you know, digging for gold, you're never going to find anything. <laughs> so, yeah. so we have to put on our prospecting hat and grab our chisel and hammer and chisel away at this, this metaphorically <laughs> at this thing that we're involved in, which happens to be self-employment. Yes. And speaking of self-employment, you know, if people want to find you, I know they can go to FabienRafael.com and that's F-A-B-I-E-N-N-E, FabienRafael, R-A-P-H-A-E-L.com. And can they also find you on social media? Yeah. Um, the one I use the most is Facebook and then LinkedIn. So I'm here on Facebook. So you just write facebook.com forward slash Fabien Raphael and you'll find me. 
We'll have links to all those in the show notes too. And for anyone out there who's been sleeping through most of the episode, <laughs> it's uh, nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 274. So Fabienne, Raphael, I also just want to point listeners to, and I'll have a link to your previous appearance on the nurse keith show on episode 213 so that'll be at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode the number 213 so if people want to hear two awesome interviews with you that's where they can find them so thank you so much darlin and i'm sure you'll be back again and i look forward to your whatever your new podcast ends up being and i look forward to our continued friendship thank you so much for inviting me again it was such a great time Thank you. And I encourage people to go to the show notes or go to FabianRaphael.com and check out Fabienne. If you want to talk to her about being your business coach, she'd be a great person to talk to. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you'll go to those show notes at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 274 and check out Raphael and reach out to her on LinkedIn and just say hi. And remember, like I always teach you, send her a personalized invitation on LinkedIn so that she knows who you are and why you're reaching out. It's good practice. So and remember, if you need personalized holistic career coaching, you can look no further than nursekeith.com. Mention the show and you'll get 10% off your first coaching package. And make sure you go to the resources drop down menu for job listings and for all sorts of other awesome resources that you can avail yourself of, including OpenMD, a free search engine for evidence-based medicine. The Nurse Keith Show is adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting, and Mark Cappiespeason is our stalwart social media ringmaster, keeping us all in line with a whip and a chair. I'm grateful to both Rob and Mark for keeping the wheels turning in the right direction. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful and very chilly Santa Fe, New Mexico, and Fabienne Raphael, the fabulous Fabienne, bidding you adieu from... From Fabville, Montreal, Canada. Fabville, Montreal, Canada. Thank you, Fabienne, and we will catch everyone on the flip side.